You know what I love about this? I'm sure you do. But you know what I don't love about this? It's the same thing that happens in most Sunday school environments. They don't tell you all the story. Okay, in, in the VeggieTales version of the story, have any of you seen this before? Josh and the Big Wall, I think it's called. Okay, the five of you in the room will understand this. Um, the, what's going on here is you have the Israelites portrayed as vegetables, right? Marching around the wall. And you have the, in, the inhabitants of a town called Jericho, better a city, portrayed as French peas, which is why they have the accent, um, for those of you that missed it, which is completely just rocks your world when you're trying to read a Hebrew version of the story. Um, but the thing is that what happens here is they, you, if you watch the Vesichel's version, nowhere do you find one of the most critical pieces to what happens with the Israelites going into the promised land, specifically in Jericho. Why might this be, you might ask? I'm glad you did. Here's why. Because it's not always popular to talk about prostitutes in Sunday school curriculum. Now, the irony of this is that in The Rock, we've been studying Rahab this year without looking at any of this other stuff. Um, talk to me later if you have problems with that. See, the, the thing is that without a woman named Rahab as part of the story, we miss most of the awesomeness that's going on. If you watch the VeggieTales version, you can watch the whole thing and go, man, they walked around the wall, it fell, the end. Da, 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 da. You know, like now they go in and conquer the land. But the point in Joshua, which is the book we're going to look at, and if you would, pull out a Bible, open to Joshua chapter 2 for me, and we'll get there in a moment. Joshua chapter 2. Uh, it's the sixth book in the Old Testament, very close to the front. If you could open that, it's right after Deuteronomy, which is important, and we'll talk about in a minute. Um, the, the fact is that without Rahab, you miss the awesomeness of this story. If, if you're reading the Bible from like a Deuteronomy to Joshua, you know, Deuteronomy comes before Joshua, yes, nodding of heads is good. Okay, uh, whenever I talk to my three-year-old about something and I want her to say yes, if she doesn't listen, I go up to her and I go like this. Please don't make me do that to you this morning, okay? And I will. So when I ask a question, you can nod yes or no and then I will know where you are. Good. The thing is that without understanding the kind of Deuteronomy coming before Joshua, we miss part of the profoundness of what's going on in Joshua. And I want to step you through this a little bit. Now, we have to review what we've been talking about first. You might be familiar with the passage that we've been looking at in regards to Segula. Now, the thing about this, and if you haven't... If I haven't got it through my thick head, then likely you also are struggling. But let's get this through our thick heads. That the reality is, Segula is not about Gideon. It's not about Rahab. It's not about some weakling tribe named Israel. It's about you. You get that? It's not about these other people, what we're really seeing is a mirror reflection of what God is saying to us. See, the Bible is not a story of history, 
written a long, long time ago only. This is what makes the Bible different and why we come here every Sunday and hopefully read it more than that, right? It's because it speaks to our souls. Segula says something about us, but you know what it says more so? It says something about God, because here's the thing. Segula, what it's really saying is, you can't do it, Gideon can't do it, Rahab can't do it, the Israelites can't do it, but God does it anyway. You can't do it, but God does it anyway. And that's what I want to focus on today with Rahab, okay? This is the verse that this gets its profundity, its definition, if you will. The fewest of all peoples, but God chose them, and they were the least of, the lesser of. Maybe the prophet Paul in the year 1966-80 put it best. That's Paul Simon. In his song, Blessed, he said, Blessed are the spat upon, the ratted on, the sat upon. Blessed are the pot sellers, the meth drinkers, the illusion dwellers. Best, blessed are the cheap hookers, the penny rookers, the groovy lookers. And it goes on with more profundity too. Um, what, what it's really saying is, um, it's parroting what Jesus says in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor, the meek. Who are these? These are the least of these. But it's not about them because they can't do it. It's about what God does anyway. You get it? When I ask a question, I'm going to come up to you here in a minute, I swear. Um, you get it? All right, yeah, there's some, all right, yeah. We're alive. We have blood flowing. Okay, good. So you get this. But here's the thing. When we look at Joshua chapter 2, we have to take into account a few things about how secular works. The first is, you cannot have a Joshua 2 without a Deuteronomy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Deuteronomy, let me explain it this way. Have any of you ever taken a test? Most of us in this room have taken a test. Don't worry, there's not one today. Um... The book of Deuteronomy, let me, let me put it this way. What is the better method of studying for a test for you personally or for the majority of people in the world? Do you go, I'm gonna, I got this test in a year, so today I'm going to study for it and can't wait for that 365 days to roll by because wahoo, I'm going to rock that test. Or do you go, I'm going to study the day, the all-nighter, the hour, the minutes before. Most likely, it's the latter, right? Most likely, we're like cramming as much information in a short amount of time, as close to the time of the test that we can. Well, guess what? God ain't no fool. That's Hebrew for no duh, right? Um, God knows how ridiculous we can be and how we rely on our short-term memory. The book of Deuteronomy is the answers to the test. And you will even find that in the Bible, specifically in Joshua, the promised land, which is what the Israelites are about to enter into, is referred to as a test. Deuteronomy are the answers to the tests that we find with the Israelites going into Joshua. Does that make sense? So, and here's the thing. It's the last words they hear before going into the land. 
Because God knows the closer to the time, the better, right? You guys are going to remember this, please, right? God's just begging, like, understand these words. And the book of Deuteronomy is this 34-chapter-long sermon by Moses, which I hope to replicate today. Just kidding. Um, To get it through the Israelites' thick skulls, how to pass the test. Okay? With me so far, good. Now, here's the problem, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. You cannot understand the beginning of Joshua and what's going on without understanding what Moses says in Deuteronomy about the do's and don'ts. So as we read through here, what you might do, you astute biblical scholars that you are, is look for some things that seem perhaps out of character to some of the things that Moses said to them in Deuteronomy. Now, I will point these out to you, so don't worry if you miss them. Um, Joshua chapter 2, if you will follow along, the very beginning of the chapter starts with Joshua taking two spies to go into the land. Now, you might go, huh, 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 a Bible scholar that you are, this has happened before, right? They did this another time, the Israelites. They sent spies in, and they came back, and this didn't go so well. Remember how many they sent in the, thir- the first time? Thirteen. How many of those spies came back with a good report? Two, one of which was Joshua. Guess what Joshua does? We're going to stick with the two this time. Okay, let's, let's mess it up again. I remember how this went. Coincidence? I think not. Um, so they send in the two spies, and that's where we pick up in verse 1. He, the two spies, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute. If you have a pencil or a pen or some kind of writing implication, if you need to prick your hand and use blood, do so. Underline prostitute. And it's okay to do, especially if you're using a pew Bible. A prostitute named Rahab. And stay there. They stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his, this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman, that'd be Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flasks she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, if you have a pen or a pencil or blood, underline lay down. Spies lay down. Before they laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. If you have a pen or pencil, underline Lord right there. For when you... 
For you, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness, underline kindness, to my family because I have shown kindness, underline kindness, to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. And that's where we'll pause. Now, if you're familiar with the story, Rahab, the gate's shut, right? How are they going to escape? She lowers them down through the wall, and they go off in the opposite direction that the lookouts went to search them out. And way to go, Rahab, right? Let's move on. No. See, there's so much in here that we miss if we don't really unpack what's going on. And that's what I want to do for you. The first thing is this. Okay, you astute Bible scholars. The sixth commandment says... Thou shall not commit adultery. Now, what do we have at the very... And this comes from Exodus and Deuteronomy. So fresh on the minds. Come on, Israelites. Fresh on the minds. Don't forget this. Don't commit adultery. What are the first thing the two spies do? Which makes perfect sense. No, they go into a prostitute's house and they lay down. Uh... Now, you might go, oh, the, you know, it's, it's okay because they didn't sleep with Rahab. And yes, you're right because what does it say? They laid up on the roof. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you just do that, you miss the point of what the author's really trying to do. Any of you grow up with the King James Version of the Bible? Come on. Don't, don't be afraid. It's okay. Join me in this. Man, once again. The three of us are beating you up after service because we had to do this for our childhoods, okay? Um, it, it's, it's just horrible. But if any of you are familiar with the language of the King James Version, you might be familiar with the phrase that reappears. It says something to this effect, and I'm not going to actually quote exact, but you'll get the idea. It says something like, Adam laid down with Eve, and all of a sudden there was Cain. This is... The greatest birds and bees talk a parent ever wanted to have. You just, yeah, a man and a woman lay down, and then all of a sudden a child's born. Let's move on. That's why we read the King James Version until we're 18 years old. Let's move on, right? Um, because you can't understand it. Uh, it's like Shakespeare. Come on. We don't even make kids read Shakespeare until they're like in high school or, you know, almost out of high school. So, but what's going on here is there's this phrase. Now, did you catch it? lay down. In Hebrew, the lay down here has a lot of Bible scholars scratching their heads because it's the same idiom for the, have, you know, and there was Abel or Cain or whatever. Why is this important? Because what the author of Joshua is trying to do is get you to see how scandalous this is. Although they may not sleep with Rahab and they probably don't, and you and I would probably agree that doesn't happen, that's not the point. Imagine it this way. Let's say you are walking into a uh, place, an establishment of questionable repute, and you being a, question, a Christian walk into this place, and others see you walk into this 
establishment, what's your excuse? I, I was just there to read the articles. It, 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 you know, people are like, eh, that's not flying, right? This is not, no, 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 no. Well, imagine the Israelite two spies coming back to <laughs> Joshua. I, I just laugh thinking of it. Joshua and the rest of the year, that's okay. See, we went to this Canaanite prostitute's house and we laid down there. Everything's good. And they're going, did you not hear Moses' sermon? I, uh, uh, how is this good? Well, that's, that's what the author wants you to do. Like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen now? They can't even get off on the first leg. But here's the thing. Even though this seems scandalous and the author's trying to show you the scandal, this is actually God's intent. Now, if you caught what's going on here, there's a word that I had you underline, the first word, prostitute. In Hebrew, this word is zona. Now, zona gets a lot of ink from Bible scholars about it. Because here's the thing. We as Christians and people who teach Sunday school, who don't want to talk about rehab and all these things, we like to avoid the scandal of what's going on here. How can God be making deals with prostitutes? And not only can he be making deals with prostitutes, how can he make a deal with Canaanite prostitutes, which is something he said he wouldn't do? Or they shouldn't do. Here, Deuteronomy again, right? Now notice chapter 20. It's even towards the end of, like, the sermon. It's the closest thing on their minds. What does it say? It says, But in the cities of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall save alive nothing that breathes, but you shall devote them to complete destruction. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Parasites, or the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded, that they may not teach you to do according to all their abominable practices, like prostitution, that they have done for their gods, and so you sin against the Lord your God. Does this seem to be a problem? Yes, yes, yes. Why are they going to a prostitute, not only a prostitute, but to a Canaanite prostitute that's supposed to be dedicated to complete destruction? Oh my goodness! Can we not get it through our thick heads? Something's going on here, right? Okay, this is why Deuteronomy is important to understanding what's going on in Joshua. Now, that word zona, a lot of people try and get around this. They'll say, oh, it really just means innkeeper. I'll save you a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Just trust me, that's not it. Others try and get around it by going, well, okay. It's a pros it, she was a prostitute, but she was a prostitute in the past, so by the time the two spies came, she knew the Lord, she had saved her, and she was a, a born-again Christian and all this fun stuff, right? Here's the problem with that. The author doesn't tell you. She just, or he just, calls Rahab a prostitute. Even after she's living with Israel, which we'll see in a little bit, She's still Rahab the prostitute, as if she wants that label following her whole life, you know? If she has left it in the past. Here's the point. The author doesn't really care to let you know when she was. He wants to show you the scandal. He wants to show you the, wait a minute, Deuteronomy said this, why is this happening? Have you ever taken a test, got there, and you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Oh, I studied for that other essay question. Darn it. Um... Why did he have to put that one on there? What's going on here? Well, a few things are going on here. 
Rahab shows us something about God, not about her. Notice what comes off of her lips. She says, and I'm not going to read all this, but we've, we've read through it. These are the words that Rahab says. She says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. And she goes on for other things that they have heard, right? And that he's the Lord your God. He is the God of the heavens and the earth beneath and above and all this stuff, right? She uses the name Yahweh. That's God's name. That's the name Israel uses. She uses it. And what does she tell them? She tells them about the events in the past. She tells them all the things that have happened in the past, right? The, the, the water was split, it was dried, you guys walked through, and man, that rocked. Whoa, I can't believe all this. And the two spies who represent the nation of Israel standing there, probably dumbfounded. Why? Because who was it that actually walked through the Red Sea and had deliverance from God them, or more so their parents. And the parents weren't capable of the faith that Rahab seems to have. She's telling them that she has faith in Yahweh because of the events he did for them, something that they're struggling to do. Does that make sense? She goes on. She says, and I know that you're going to conquer this city, Jericho, now. God's giving it to you. She's aware of their past. She's Faithful that God is going to do something with them to Jericho in the present. And not only that, she prophesies about the future. I know that the Lord has given you the land. I know. A Canaanite prostitute, the first thing that happens when these spies go in, God speaks through Rahab. God says, this is what I have faith in. I have faith in Yahweh. This is radical. It should, this, if you're reading the story, this is backwards. It should be the spies who are telling Rahab here, listen, here's the deal. No, no, no. Who's the one that's actually saying how things are working? It's the one on the other side. This is nuts. The, the, in chapter 2, no wonder we skip over it, right? It's just, whoa, what do you do with this? Here's the other thing I want you to note. When she finishes... All of her, you know, diatri all of her, you know, discourse on God and what God has done, is doing, will do. She says this. She says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt, and I had you underline kindness, that word in Hebrew is chesed. Now, what is this chesed? I'll tell you, with you. You also will deal chesed with my father's house and give me a sure sign. This is another word that specifically speaks about the covenants God makes. Well, that's big fancy language. We don't always understand words like covenant and chesed and all these weird churchy words we throw around. Let me explain what's going on here. Chesed in your Bible often gets translates in multiple different things. Why? Because there's really no good translation for it. Um, it you'll see it as love. You'll see it as grace or mercy or covenant faithfulness or loving kindness or faith, all these different things, right? What, what is it really trying to say? If you, look at, um, if you look at Psalm 63 verse 3, it says, your chesed, your love is greater than life. The psalmist says this. He says, your chesed is greater than life. Why is it greater than life? Understand, God 
faithfulness is what's wrapped up in this. When God chooses not to destroy after the Israelites break the covenant of Yahweh, when he relinquishes from it, why? Because of his chesed. Because he has covenant faithfulness. He endures to the very bitter end for these people. That's what Rahab says on the very lips. Show the same to me. A Canaanite prostitute. She's begging. She's pleading. Deal with me with chesed because I gave you chesed. A Canaanite prostitute seems to be more understanding of Deuteronomy than the two spies who entered her house. And that's, that's the radicalness of what's going on. Uh, so what happens? Well, they do it. They, they show her chesed, and they don't destroy her, even though what was told to them in Deuteronomy? Destroy it all, everything that breathes. Can I get more specific, even down to the parasite? Or parasites. Um, which is not really parasite. Don't walk away confused by that. Gosh, I can't believe I did that. Okay, so just understand, parasites are an actual people, not... The things that suck your blood. Okay, good. Um, although, wouldn't it be great if God did say that? Um, where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, so what happens here, God's radicalness is so crazy that the Israelites bring Rahab and her family in, and it says that they live among the Israelites. Now, if this were our version of a story, um, storybook tale, the, the story would end here and go, and Rahab and the Israelites lived happily ever after together. But here's the problem. So Rahab, it says, lived among the people. You see that? They saved alive and she lived in Israel to this day. The New Testament begins with Rahab. If you're familiar with what, how Matthew starts, it starts with a genealogy. And in this genealogy, Matthew chooses to point out something. And if you're familiar with how genealogies work, typically it's so-and-so laid down with so-and-so, and they begat so-and-so. Okay, laid down. Do you understand what's going on there? I don't need the birds and the bees talk, do I? Uh, kids, ask your parents later and they'll hate me. Uh, and Boaz, so, so you see, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. And if you keep reading, you get down to Jesus. See, Rahab is the bunch of greats grandmother of Jesus. Well, okay, big deal. Why is that important? Well, like great, 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 bunch of greats grandmother, like great, 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 great son. What did Rahab do? She although you might have a different version like the Veggie Tales, she's actually partly responsible for the salvation of Israel. She saves the two spies, right? She lets them down through. She saves Israel. It's the very thing Jesus came to do. In a lot of ways, Rahab is a, is a type, I had to throw that in, is a type of a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do. And it's not an Israelite, it's a Canaanite prostitute. God can't be more radical. See, here's the thing. People want to focus so much on how can this work. Well, I got something to tell them. And I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but it's the elephant in the room. It's Segula. You see, the Israelites are the sat upon, ratted on, and spat upon. And Rahab is the cheap hooker, in the words of the prophet Paul. And what does God do? 
You've got Rahab who's living on the fringe, literally on the fringe. She's in the wall of the city. You can't get further out of the city. That's where prostitutes live. You know, it's the Jericho red light district, if you will. The Israelites are on the the border of the land. They're also on the fringe. They're also the outcast, the spat upon. No one wants them. Everyone wants to get rid of them. Everyone's freaked out by them. We see them coming. They're like, whoa. And God says, you and you have a lot in common. Rahab and Israel are segulas. Now this might be all kinds of whack for our sensibilities. I understand that. Um, how can God be making deals with prostitutes? Well, I don't know why people struggle with this so much when you see that God's very son is considered friends of prostitutes. But nonetheless, people struggle over this because of words like Deuteronomy. Uh, it seems to, no, 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 don't, don't do that, right? But here's the thing. That's the exact point. God's saying, no matter how far out you think you are, you ain't got nothing on Rahab. And if you ain't got nothing on Rahab, you ain't got nothing on her bunch of greats, grants on Jesus. Because this is the radicalness. This is the craziness of what's going on here. Rahab is the, the furthest gone person you can imagine at this point. But God somehow miraculously has come to her and she has this saving faith. What's going on with Jesus? Jesus comes and he rocks our world and gives us a salvation that's just out of this, you know, out undeserved, something we can't do. Because why? Because we're seculars. It's not about us not being able to do it. It's about God doing it anyway. And that's what Jesus is. See, here's the problem for you and I. You ain't got nothing on Rahab. She's the forsaken. You think you're forsaken? Rahab. You think you're lost? Rahab. You think anything about yourself is irredeemable? Look at Rahab. And here's the other thing. You might be going, no, 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 man. You don't know. You don't know me. You don't know what's going on inside me. I'm, I'm so far gone. I'm, so, I'm beyond. If that's what you're thinking, then watch out. Because God loves the challenge. And his chesed is ready to bowl you over. He, he would love to be even more radical than a Rahab. Put him to the test. See if he doesn't bowl you over with his chesed, his covenant faithfulness. He is tenacious. He has gripped you in the leg with his teeth. He will not let go. Okay, sorry. I'm a little excited. <laughs> See, that's what it is. It's not just a story about a prostitute way ago that the VeggieTales don't want to talk about or we don't want to talk about in Sunday school. It's more than that. It's a mirror. It's showing us, no, you're not. You can't get away from this. You've got a problem. No matter how low of the low you think you are, the more likely God is to come and really affect your life. That's the, that's the craziness of what's going on here. That's the nuts thing. I want to invite the band to come forward, and as they do, I want you to, to, to just picture in your mind the implications of Segula. It's not about Rahab. It's about you, but it's not even really about you. It's about you not being able to do it and God doing it anyway. I know that's redundant and weird and whatever that means, but I think you got it. Chesed, harlot, heroin. You got it? Rahab, 
the harlot, Rahab the heroine, Rahab the one who shows chesed and has chesed shown to her, Rahab the one that's the recipient of God's salvation, Rahab the person that we will see one day and say, whoa, check out what you and your great bunch of greats grandson did. You know, you saved Israel, but he saved everyone, and whoa, what does that mean for me? And I hope I, you know, I hope God worked similarly through me because you had to overcome so much and I mean comparatively what does that say for me and even if I was more far gone that's the point God really wants to work let's pray God show us your chesed show us your grace show us your mercy show us all those words that just don't even begin to describe what this word means for us the, that, that we might be we might be prostitutes on the inside we might be selling ourselves out to who knows what You've gripped us tenaciously with your teeth, the teeth of the cross, the teeth that shows us your chesed, that you will follow us to the ends of the earth, to the heights of the heavens, to the lowest depths of the depths. You are going to follow us tenaciously. We, we can't avoid it. We can't get away, God. And sometimes that freaks us out, but more so, God, we should just be bowled over by your chesed. God, be with us as we just wrestle with the implications of knowing that we're so far gone. Maybe we're more far gone than Rahab, but whoa, God, if that's true, no matter how far gone we are, you love the challenge. You want to do something and do it in us, we pray. Amen.